Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 24. I sat in my office, looking at the hordes of people on their way to this place or that place on the city streets below. My eyes were bloodshot. My bottom lip was puffy. My shirt was torn, my nylons were ripped to shreds, and I had fingerprints on my neck. But all in all, it had been a good day. My secretary, as well as everyone else, gave me the what the hell happened to you look as I made my way to my secluded office. I clicked on the intercom and asked her to come into my office. Shane came running in with a pen and a steno pad, ready to take dictation, and was surprised when she found out all I really wanted was a bummer pack of cigarettes. She started trying to get into my business, and I told her to take the rest of the day off with pay. I suggested she go take in a movie or go get her nails done. Anything, as long as she got the fuck out of my face. It had been ages since I took a drag off the legally manufactured cancer, but I was so stressed, I needed something to get me through the rest of the day. It was only a little afternoon, and all my walls had come tumbling down in the space of a morning. I called the auto club and told them to tow the car to the garage near the house. They asked a bunch of questions, since this was the second vandalism in such a short time. I tried to explain it first, then I simply cussed the old battle axe out. According to the contract, there was no limit to the number of times we could use their services, so I told her to send the damn tow truck and slam down the phone. Getting the car taken care of was a start. However, that wasn't going to help me explain the rest of Jason. Specifically, why I looked like a female version of Rocky after a championship belt fight. I had to make up the lie of all motherfucking lies, and I had about five hours to come up with it. I thought about saying I was mugged in the parking lot and blaming the broken car window on the assailant, stating it all happened during the struggle. I quickly decided against that one since it meant calling the police and filing a false police report. It never could have worked. There wouldn't be any broken glass on the ground around the car in the parking garage in my office building because all of it was in the parking lot at Tyson's job. Besides, I was already involved with the police because of Brina's death, and I knew they would assume I had been attacked by Dempsey if I professed I didn't get a good look at my assailant. Horrible idea, so I scratched it. I thought about saying I got into a fight over a parking space on one of the downtown streets on my way to a business meeting with a client. That wouldn't have worked either. Jason would have insisted on knowing where and with which client, and then probably insisted on asking him a bunch of questions. So that shit was out too. There was always the truth, of course, but my mama didn't raise no fool. 
I started chain smoking and choking, trying to get used to the nicotine in my system after all of those years. I spent a good hour trying to make up a lie and came to the conclusion I was basically ass out. I stayed locked in my office for the next couple of hours and never did five seconds of actual work. Every time someone knocked on my door after realizing my secretary was gone from her desk, I told them I was in a meeting and to come back later. They bought into it, although I was alone. Even if they didn't buy it, they asked to still weren't getting through the door. By the time 2 o'clock rolled around, I was so overcome with worry about what I was going to tell Jason and stressed out about all the confrontations of the day, I felt like my world had come to an end. I got out the compact mirror from my purse and took a good look at myself. I looked like death warmed over. My cheeks were thinning, and I realized I had allowed my addiction to sex to take priority over every other aspect of my life, including my health. Even though I couldn't imagine her ever forgiving me for the way I had acted the last time we saw each other, I called Dr. Marcella Spencer's office and pleaded for an immediate appointment. Her secretary told me, in no uncertain terms, that the doctor was booked up for the rest of the day, and there was no way an exception could be made. I hung up and started sobbing. I had no clue what to do, and I felt so alone. Less than 15 minutes later, Dr. Spencer called me back and told me she had rearranged her schedule so she could see my pathetic ass right away. She sensed my nervousness over the phone and even offered to come to me. I told her I wouldn't be driving myself there and would prefer coming to her. We hung up, and I rushed past everyone in the outer office before they could get a good look at me. I waved down a cab, and this man tried to play a hate me and jump in before I could. I told him to get the fuck out of my way and push him so I could get in. He had picked the wrong day to mess with me. Dr. Spencer and I ran into each other as I was getting off the elevator on her floor. She was on her way back to her office from the ladies' lounge. Zoe, you got here quickly. She seemed more anxious to talk to me than I was to talk to her. The smile on her face changed to horror when she got a good look at me in the hallway lighting. Oh my goodness, what happened to you, Zoe? I couldn't say a word. I couldn't breathe. I just fell into her arms and started wailing. She put her arms around me and helped me make it into the confines and safety of her inner office. For once, she didn't have to suggest a change loud. Longu, why do they keep saying Longu? Is that a real word? According to Merriam-Webster, on the one hand, it is a real word. On the other hand, it's a word that means lake trout. So I think that you're just typoing your ass off. I crawled up onto it in a ball and let it all go. For a good five minutes, we were both just speechless. Marcella just kept handing me tissue after tissue until I used up the remainder of the box. She broke the silence. You want something to drink, Zoe? Some coffee? Hot tea? Water? Soft drink? I was beginning to wonder whether she was a therapist or flight attendant and hoped she wouldn't ask me if I wanted some salted peanuts next. Because she hates salty nuts, she said to her earlier. I just shook my head, letting her know all I wanted to do was lie there and drown in my own misery. Zoe, we have to talk about this. You're very upset, and you look like you may need medical attention. Do you need me to call an ambulance? She rubbed my back, and I could tell her concern for my welfare was genuine. No, no ambulance. I'll be fine. I turned over and lay on my back while she examined the marks on my neck with her hands. Are those fingerprints on your neck? Did someone try and choke you, Zoe? I laughed. A man blind in one eye could tell that. More like murder me. Tyson tried to kill me this morning. What? She had been sitting on the edge of the chaise next to me, but jumped up, headed for her desk, and picked up the phone. 
Marcella, what are you doing? I sat all the way up. The way she jumped into action scared the living daylights out of me. I'm calling the police, Zoe. You need protection. No. I sprang to my feet and a sharp pain struck me in my side. Put the phone down. Zoe, you've got to go to the police. He tried to kill you. What makes you think he won't come out to you again? I wrestled the phone from her hand and replaced it on the cradle. The irony of it all hit me. Less than three weeks before, Brina and I had the same argument, but she had been the one begging me not to call the police. Was I setting up my own untimely demise just like she did? Please, Marcella, I really need to talk. After I told you everything, if you still think I should call the police, I won't argue with you. Right now, I just really need a friend. I gazed into her eyes, hoping she would go along. Okay, Zoe. She got out her pad, pen, and tape recorder while I went and lay back down the chaise. She sat down the wing chair beside it. Let's talk. I ended up doing all the talking. I spent the next hour telling her everything that had happened since I stormed out of her office. I told her about how I left with the intention of going to talk to Brina, but found nothing but her body full of stab wounds and her blood splattered everywhere. I told her about Dempsey, how I pulled a switchblade on him that one time, and how the police had had no luck in tracking him down since the murder. I told her how I had decided to go against her advice and try to end all the affairs at one time instead of gradually. I told her about all the shit I had endured since the sun came up that morning, and all the things I feared might happen before the sun went down that night. I told her about the confrontation with Tyson and Dusty and how a fight ensued between the two of us. I told her about my confrontation with Quentin and how he had shocked me by kicking me to the curb after he had a luncheon meeting with my husband. I told her about the confrontation between Quentin and Tyson after Tyson followed me there and tried to strangle me to death in the hallway. I told her about the ultimate and last confrontation with all three of my lovers in the hallway. I told her about the sexual experiences that I had had with Diamond after her continual insistence that I should try bumping coochies. I told her how I didn't like it at all and never even touched Diamond but just let her touch me. See, told you so. I told you so. Like, you can't even open yourself up sexually to this, to where this is an idea for you. You have to cover your tracks just in case. Oh, I didn't like it. I just let her do it to me, but that don't make me, that don't make me like women. That don't make me gay. I don't like it. I didn't like it, though. I told her how my need for affection had gone over the edge, and I regretted that situation most of all, because I was not and had never been attracted to women, yet you were in bed with a woman. Also, I don't like this writing. I don't like this at all, and I called this. Like, y'all should really applaud me for that. I called this. But you masking this in what seems like veiled homophobia ain't the move, and I don't appreciate that at all. I told her that I would keep my eyes closed the majority of the time I was with any of them, imagining that their hands and tongues and dicks and other body parts really belonged to Jason, the only true love I had ever known. Marcella listened intently and never interrupted me once. I felt much more relaxed after I let it all out and realized the explanation of what had been going on was more for my benefit than hers. As I listened to myself speak the words, it became all too clear to me what had to be done. You spelled too wrong. Now I'm mad at you. So when she asked the question, I was quick with my reply. She put her pad down, cut the recorder off, and then reached out to caress my hand. Zoe, you do realize that if there is ever to be any happiness or hope for your marriage, you've got to tell your husband everything. You've got to tell Jason. I looked over at her and whispered, I know. Marcella lent me some clothes that she kept in a duffel bag for working out at her gym three nights a week. 
The sweatpants were a size too big for me, and the t-shirt swallowed me up, but I didn't care. I simply couldn't face Jason with torn and battered clothing. I needed to maintain a slight air of dignity. Her tennis shoes were a perfect fit, though, so I didn't have to wear my heels with the sports clothing. She was such a sweetheart, even trying to insist she'd go with me to hold my hand while I told him. I refused. It was something I had to do alone. We went to the ladies' lounge where she helped me fix my hair and touch up my makeup, which was smeared all over my face. The marks on my neck were horrendous. She used some cake makeup to try and make them less startling. I called Jason's office to tell him I was going to catch a cab over. I wanted to make sure I caught him before he headed home so we could drive somewhere and talk without the kids being present. His secretary said he had someone in his office and was adamant about not being disturbed by anyone. I started to tell her I was the exception, which she should have already known, but elected to have her inform Jason not to leave until I got there. The next call was to my mother, who was already at the house with the kids, having picked them up from school shortly after three. I asked her if she could stay late because Jason and I had decided to have dinner in the city and possibly take in a movie, and she agreed. After I hung up the phone, I felt guilty about all the lies I had told my mother. She was one of my many victims, along with my husband, my kids, and my lovers. I had no idea how I was going to admit all my appalling deeds to her. I would cross that bridge when I got to it. Jason was a matter at hand, and one of two things would be the result of confessing all my sins. He would either believe I never meant to hurt him, realize I had an illness, and stick by my side throughout the recovery process, or he would leave, which was a fate worse than death to me. Marcella called me a cab. While I was waiting, I asked if she was a religious woman. She smiled and told me how she had grown up in the church and was a true Christian. I told her I didn't have much experience with religion, but I did believe in God, and asked if she would teach me how to pray. We both got on our knees, leaned our elbows on the chaise, clasped our fingers, and prayed for my salvation. Chapter 25 On the way to Jason's architectural firm, I stared out the window of the cab at all the people in a hurry to get the hell away from work. It was just after five, and the rush hour pandemonium had begun. I asked the cab driver if he could speed it up, because I was in a hurry. He cursed under his breath at me in some foreign language, but did get a bit more aggressive with his driving. How do you know he cursed at you if it was in a foreign language? Just racist. After all the years of hiding things from him, going way back to our childhood, I was anxious to clear the air. Jason was the one person I should have revealed everything to from jump. If I had, none of the other events would have happened in the first place. There would have never been an affair, rather less affairs, and my marriage would have never been in jeopardy. I was hoping Jason would understand. I believed in my heart he would, if I could only get him alone somewhere and explain it to him in my own way. Maybe I'll take him back out to the observatory or the inn at the lake, since those were the sites of our most recent pleasant memories. No matter where I did it, it had to be done. I was prepared to face the consequences of my actions. When we got about four blocks from Jason's office, I noticed a flashing police lights ahead and wondered what had happened. The cab driver was stuck in heavy traffic, so I decided to pay him and trek the rest of the way on foot. I walked towards the office, slowly at first, but broke into a run when I saw Jason being handcuffed. By the time I covered the three remaining blocks, they had already put Jason in a squad car and driven off. I was out of breath and in a state of panic. I spotted Jason's secretary, Allison, standing on the steps and rushed up to her. What happened? Where are they taking Jason? She glared at me, gritting her teeth, and crossed her arms in front of her. Why are you ignoring me? Where the hell are they taking my husband? You know, 
You have a good man and don't know how to treat him. She rolled her eyes at me before continuing. The rest of us spend our entire lives trying to find a good man. It's women like you to ruin it for the rest of us. I wanted to slap the shit out of her, but just got up in her face instead. Listen, I don't know what the hell are you talking about, nor do I give a shit. I asked you a question and I would like a fucking answer. Now what the hell happened here? Fine, I'll tell you what happened. When you called earlier and I told you that Jason had someone in his office, that someone was your lover. My mouth fell open. She sucked her teeth and added, you're such a tramp. I went ballistic, grabbing her by the shoulders and started shaking her. What lover? What the hell are you talking about? My immediate thought was that Quentin had changed his mind and broken his word to me about not telling Jason. I figured he told him out of anger or to protect him from my evil ways. It was apparent at the loft that he felt more sorry for Jason than for me. I realized my mistake when Allison pointed to the other squad car that was still parked out front with the lights on. Tyson was seated in the back with handcuffs on. I left Allison standing there, along with other members of the staff, including one of Jason's partners, who was shaking his head in disgust at me, and walked slowly over to the police car, wondering how the hell Tyson knew where to find Jason in the first place. Then I recalled the creaking exit door at the beginning of my confrontation with Quentin, and realized he must have heard Quentin talking about Jason, including the location of his office. Tyson confronting my husband was the last thing I ever expected. I shuddered to think what he must have told him, and the crass manner in which he did it. How embarrassing it must have been to Jason to be accosted in his own place of business and told what a sex fiend his wife really was. Before I could get all the way to the car, a police officer grabbed me by the arm, instructing me to stand back. I informed him my husband had been taken away in the other car and asked where he was taken and why. The officer informed me that Jason and Tyson had gotten in a physical altercation. And while no charge would probably be filed against Jason, since he was provoked into fighting at his own office, they had to take them both down to the station to get the mess sorted out. Officer, I can explain the whole thing. It was all my fault. My husband had nothing to do with it. Well then, you definitely need to come down to the precinct to give a statement. Here's an address to the station. I'll put my name on the card as well. He scribbled his name on a little white generic card on the blank line provided and handed it to me. Do you need a lift? I considered his offer, but only for a second. There was no way I was getting in the same car with Tyson, even if I was in the front and he was behind a barrier and handcuffed in the back seat. He had already tried to kill me, and had apparently tried to kill my husband too. Getting in the car with him could only mean another ugly situation. No thanks, officer. I have another way to get there. Okay, ma'am. He got into the driver's seat, and while he was pulling off, I stared at Tyson, who had a look in his eye that could melt ice. His lips were trembling, and while not a professional lip reader, I recognized the all-too-familiar nickname for me when he mouthed, Bitch. I kept a key to Jason's Land Rover on my ring, so I ran to the garage and found it parked in his assigned space. When I got to the precinct, it was pure madness. Those citizens who chose to cross the blue line of the law, from pimps and prostitutes to drunk drivers and drug dealers, and the ones paid to represent them were everywhere. They were all there. It was the one place Jason didn't belong. The officer that gave me the car wasn't even there, having been sent back out on this beat. The female officer behind the booking desk told me to have a seat and wait for a senior officer to come and get me. I complied, even though I didn't want to. I wanted Jason out of jail right that second, but causing the scene and bum-rushing the one behind the desk would have only landed my ass in jail too. Then again, I was the one who really belonged there. I was a seedy element. After about 50 minutes of pure hell, not knowing where my baby was... 
A man in a pair of gray slacks, white shirt, and paisley tie approached me with a shield hanging out of his shirt pocket. Miss Raynard, I'm Detective Rinaldi. Please follow me. He didn't shake my hand or anything. He just stood there while I gathered my belongings so I could follow him into a small, cramped room at the end of one of the several cluttered hallways. He was a big man. The floor seemed to shake underneath his feet as he walked. He was having trouble breathing, and it wouldn't have taken more than an educated guest to realize a heart attack was lurking in his near future. Once we were in the room with the door closed, he asked, Mrs. Raynard, I understand you think you could clear up the whole situation with your husband? Yes, I can. Twenty times a day, various people asked would I like something to drink, and I always replied no. The one time I really was suffering from an extremely dry mouth, no one asked. I suppose making drink runs wasn't in the detective's job description. He was obviously a man on a mission, all about getting to the bottom of whatever dilemma faced him in the quickest manner possible. I decided not to waste his time. I quickly related the whole sordid story. At least a part of it involved my extramarital affair with Tyson and the ultimate breakup. I told him Tyson couldn't deal with being dismissed from my life and decided to seek revenge by telling my husband. I conveniently admitted the attempted murder by strangulation and my other affairs. Things were complicated enough without bringing all of that into it. I knew that would only escalate matters and possibly hold up Jason's release. Detective Rinaldi turned out to be a very nice man after all. He won brownie points for being one of the few people not to call me a bitch, hoe, or tramp that day. He just calmly listened to what I had to say and informed me, these type of situations happen every day. This type of shit happens every day. That shouldn't surprise me, considering all of the people who appear on talk shows fighting over their lovers. But his nonchalant approach took me off guard just the same. Scandalous affairs, dishonesty, violence, and things like that are supposed to happen to other people. Not to Jason and me. Oh, what you mean is you weren't supposed to get caught. Wait here, Miss Raynard. With that, he left me in the room all alone for about 10 minutes. It felt more like 10 hours to me. He came back in with a grin on his face. Your husband will be released without any charges. His story matches yours. And in this country, self-defense isn't a crime. I jumped up from the table and took his stubby hand, shaking it viciously whether he wanted to shake hands with me or not. Thanks so much, Detective Rinaldi. I really appreciate this. On my way out of the room, I hesitated. It shouldn't have mattered to me, but I had to find out. Detective, what about Tyson? Will he be released too? He smirked, probably wondering why I gave a damn since I claimed the affair was over. Now, that's a different matter. Mr. Chase violated his parole, so the PO assigned to his jacket will have to deal with him. In all that time... I never knew Tyson's last name. That made me feel even more like a whore. Jeopardizing my marriage for a man I knew on a first name basis only. What Dusty blurted out earlier ran through my mind. Girlfriend had been telling the truth. On parole for what? I'm not supposed to divulge that information. Sorry. Please. Sorry. No can do. He was ready to get rid of me and move on to the next case awaiting his attention. You can have a seat out in the waiting area. He'll be coming out that way from the holding cells in a few moments. Thanks again, detective. He didn't respond, so I closed the door and made my way back out near the booking area. The worst challenge of the horrid day was still in front of me. I only hoped I could make Jason see the light. I hope y'all caught that pause, because it was on purpose. I hope he doesn't see the light. 
My optimism quickly faded the moment I saw Jason's face. I had known and loved the man all my life and had never seen him look so hurt, angry, and disappointed. He glanced at me, and when I headed towards him, he rapidly brushed past me, almost knocking me on my ass right there in the middle of the station. I followed him outside and caught up to him at the bottom of the station steps. Jason! He just kept walking, headed in the opposite direction from the rover, since he didn't know where it was parked anyway. He didn't care where he was headed. He just wanted to get the hell away from me. I was right on his heels. Jason, you got to talk to me. He stopped dead in his tracks, turned around and glared at me. Zoe, I don't have to do shit but stay black, pay taxes, and die. I don't have shit to say to you right now. He didn't say anything else, but he didn't walk away from me either. I took that as my cue to explain. Even though he claimed he didn't want to talk, I knew him like a book. He wanted me to make sense of it to him, or at the very least, make a sincere attempt. I was going to tell you, Jason. I tried to tell you a thousand times, and after talking to Dr. Spencer today, I was on my way to tell you. I swear. He rolled his eyes and started walking around me like he was examining a piece of furniture. Do you honestly expect me to believe you are going to tell me? He was right. There was no reason on earth he should believe me. I tried to touch his arm, but he pulled away from me. Baby, can we please just go somewhere quiet and talk? I asked Mama to stay late with the kids. I told her we were going to dinner and a movie. You lied to your mother? Then as an afterthought, he added, I guess you're an expert at lying, though, aren't you? I could have denied it, but the lies were going to stop. Lying had done enough damage. Yes, I'm an expert, Jason. I'm very sick, boo. I can't deny it. I'm a straight liar. You should never fuck with me. Got a million guys I'm stuck in a D. Put nacho cheese on this D. You got that right. That's one thing we can agree on. Who the fuck is Dr. Spencer? We were making some headway. We were having a conversation without raising our voices, and I felt maybe there was a chance for us yet. Dr. Marcellus Spencer. Why would you be raising your voice? He's the one who's hurt, upset, and just got beat up. What's wrong with you? What kind of doctor? A therapist. The one I was telling you about. The one I met a while back. I diverted my eyes to the ground because I couldn't look him in the eyes and continue. She's been counseling me about... About my addiction to sex. What? So much for not yelling. Sexual addiction? What the fuck? The poor baby was trying so hard to have some faith in me. He had loved me just as long as I had loved him, and I could tell he was trying to grasp onto whatever might be left. The whole thing with Tyson was nothing. He means nothing to me. You're the only man I've ever loved, and you're the only man I will ever love. It's just that... Just the what? I stood there trying to figure out a way to tell him. I sought things from others. He would never get to me sexually. Just that what, Zoe? I couldn't do it. I would have given anything for Marcella Spencer to be there. I would have given anything for my mother to be there. I would have given anything for Brina to be there. Anybody willing to hold me and tell me it will be all right, but it won't be all right, Zoe, because you're still not willing to have the tough conversation that would have saved all this at the beginning. You're still not willing to do it. You tiptoe around it. You pussyfoot around it. And now you're in this place and you still can't tell him. And if you don't tell him, then you're going to start blaming him again. And it's going to turn into a whole thing all over again. It's just like the revival thing I was talking about before. Your feelings will wear off and you'll be right back out there in them streets as soon as you forget what he felt like. Because you never gave a fuck before now. 
Jason, I love you and you love me and we're a happy family with a right big hug and a kiss from me to you. Was Barney actually kissing kids? That was hilarious, right? With a great big hug and a kiss from me to you? Was was he kissing them kids? Mm. I watch Hip Hop Harry with my kids because we black. Jason, I love you and you love me and we'll work this out. I promise. Zoe, are you even hearing the shit that you're saying? That man barged into my office and told me you've been fucking him for months. What am I supposed to say now? Oh, gee, it's no big deal. Jason sounded so sarcastic. His words cut through my heart like a knife. Not at all. It, it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. And I understand that. All I'm saying is don't make a final decision to throw away everything we built together until you hear me out. You threw it away! For a second, I thought he was going to hit me. You threw our marriage and our life away for a piece of dick! Not me! That's not the way it happened, Jason. I've loved you all my life, Zoe. I tried to give you everything you ever wanted, everything you ever asked for. I have never, ever cheated on you. I never even thought about it, not once. Then you turn around and do this shit to me? I know, Jason. Do you have any idea how many women have tried to sleep with me? I have women trying to throw pussy at me every damn day and I never cheated on you because you are my life. I'm still your life and you're mine. Don't you see that? I just need to fix what's wrong with me and, and we can go back to the way things were. You know what? Eric Benet. <laughs> Eric Benet's ass said he had a sexual addiction when uh, he got caught cheating on Halle Berry. And niggas was like, how the fuck are you cheating on Halle Berry? And he was like, I can't help it. I got a sexual addiction. It's a real life thing. And everybody laughed. I'm just saying, sexual addiction is probably very real. I mean, it's it's a real thing. And, and getting therapy about it is a real thing. But it never turns out well when you tell somebody that you have sexual addiction. Ever. And I'm just going to reiterate, if you have sexual addiction, at least focus it towards porn. That way you ain't cheating on nobody. Just watch porn. You already masturbating. You were taking care of yourself. Why did you have to cheat? I'm, I'm just wondering. <sighs> he shook his head. You don't even realize what you've done. You don't realize the damage you caused. We have three kids, Zoe. Three beautiful kids. Did they ever once cross your mind when you were out in the streets acting like a whore? All the time, baby. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to hurt them. I never meant to hurt anyone, but I couldn't control it. People were walking past us in both directions the entire time, but we were lost in our own little world. Jason, please, let's go somewhere where we can be alone and talk. I'm not sure I want to be alone with you. I'm not sure I want to be anywhere near you, period. Don't say that, Jason. Please don't do this to me. I try to touch him again. Don't fucking touch me. I started crying after managing to keep my tears under control up until that point. I never loved them, Jason. Never. They meant nothing to me. They? They? I started backing away from him. I had messed up big time and I knew it. What the fuck do you mean by they? 
I, I can explain, Jason. Dr. Spence will help me explain it to you. Let's go see her and she can help us get this over with. You're nothing but a tramp, a bitch, and a whore, just like that motherfucker said. Pure evil. Please don't say that, Jason. He looked at me with pure disgust. Why not? It's all true, Zoe. It's all true. You're nothing but a manipulative, cheating, bitch-ass whore. That's what you are, and that's all you're ever going to be. Let's go home, boo. Let's go home and play with our kids and get a good night's sleep. We'll talk about this in the morning when we both calm down. Nigga, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Why the fuck do you think that y'all just gonna go home and play tiddlywinks and Monopoly and argue over boardwalk and this is gonna be all forgotten? Nigga, you cheated. These are the consequences. You played the game and you lost. These are the consequences. Like, you don't get to walk this shit back. These are the consequences. I hope he gets with Allison. Real talk. And I hope he opens up to her because he needs to. Just on his own stake and his own level. I hope he opens up to her. Hell no. I'm not going home with you. I'm not lying down with you. In fact, I'm going home alone. And if you try and show up there, I'll make sure you regret it. You're not being rational. We have to go home at some point. What will my mother think if you go home without me? She's going to think the truth because I'm going to fucking tell her. I'm going to tell her all about her baby girl and how she's nothing but a lying whore. He started walking away from me. And when I tried to grab his shirt, he swung around and hit me in the face. That's not cool. That's not acceptable. You can yell all you want. You can get all your thoughts and feelings out. But when you put hands on them, you've crossed the line. I'm going to keep saying that. I fell on the ground but was determined to hang on to him. I grabbed hold of his pants leg, but he kept walking, dragging me along the concrete until I couldn't hang on anymore. Jason, no! I can't live in a world without you! He looked down at me, and I will never forget his words. That's unfortunate, because as of this very moment, you're dead to me. Fucking dead. In fact, won't you do everyone involved a favor and just fucking die? I got up from the concrete. He walked farther and farther away from me, and I realized he was right. I did deserve to die for what I did to him. You want me to die, Jason? It was dark out, and the rush hour was over, so the speed of traffic had gotten back to normal. I repeated myself because I wanted him to see what I was about to do. I wanted him to see how much I truly loved him, how much he meant to me, and how my life meant nothing without him. You want me to die, Jason? He turned around and stared at me. This one's for you, boo. With that, I walked out in the middle of traffic and waited. Cars started slamming on their brakes. All I could see was blinding headlights. I heard Jason scream, no, and saw him running towards me as fast as he could. He did love me. He did care. I was about to run into his arms when I saw the lights fast approaching out of the corner of my eye. The guy on the floral delivery van tried to stop and turn the wheel, but the truck skidded towards me sideways. I took one last look at Jason, who was less than five yards away in closing. I felt the impact, and then there was darkness. That's manipulative as fuck. I just want to reiterate that she's been manipulating this nigga since day one. Like, when they had sex, it was because she cried and threw shit and all that kind of stuff. And you saying that you're going to commit suicide if he won't do what you want him to do is manipulative. That's something abusive people do. I'm just going to point that out. Chapter 26. The dripping sound from my IV was the first thing I heard when I woke up. 
My eyes adjusted to the fluorescent lighting in the ceiling of the hospital room. At first, I thought I was paralyzed because I couldn't move my neck, but it moved a bit during my second attempt. I realized it was just really stiff. Don't try to move, Zoe. I'll go get the doctor on call. I recognized Marcella Spencer's voice right off the bat, even though I couldn't adjust my neck to see her. The fuck is she doing there? I heard her heels clicking against the floor when she rushed out into the hallway to find someone to check me out. Before I knew it, I was getting poked and prodded all over my body. The nurse took my temperature and blood pressure while the doctor, who had to be the resident on call because he looked like a teenager, examined me with his stethoscope and checked my ears, nose, and eyes. When he got to my mouth, it was so dry and brittle I could barely open it. Miss Rayner, that's okay. I'll check your throat later. <laughs> that's what Quentin and, and, and Tyson did the first time they met her. She, they checked her throat. Deeply. We've been feeding you intravenously for the past week, so a dry mouth is perfectly normal. As much as it hurt, I had to speak. Weak? Yes, you've been here in the university hospital since last Friday. University of what, nigga? We back to that. The night of your accident. Do you remember anything that happened? She better fake amnesia. I blinked my eyes because they were watery and glanced over at Marcella, who was sitting in a pleather chair designed for visitors. I remember everything. The nurse returned with a small pitcher of water and a paper cup. I gulped the water down gratefully. The needle of the IV hurt my arm a little when I held the cup up to my mouth. The doctor was about to drill me with a bunch of questions. I immediately told him I was too tired and insisted on getting some rest. He agreed. We'll talk later. It's the middle of the night, and it'll probably be better if Dr. Ferguson, your regular physician, talked to you anyway. He'll be here first thing in the morning. Thanks. Everyone cleared out of the room except Marcella. How did you know I was here? Your husband called me the night of the accident and told me. I was extremely hoarse. Jason called you? Yes, he did. He told me about what happened and how you discussed the fact that you had been seeing me with him. She moved the chair closer to the bed. I must admit I was surprised you told him about the therapy. You seemed so ashamed of having to seek help for your addiction. I was even more shocked you would walk out in the middle of the traffic and try and kill yourself. A single tear flowed down my right cheek. At the time, Marcella, I didn't think I had one reason to live. She held my hand tightly. In fact, I'm still not sure I have one. Your kids, nigga, stop being so dramatic. You have plenty of reasons to live. A lot has happened we need to talk about. Tyson told Jason about us, and now he hates me. No. Jason doesn't hate you. He loves you very much. He and I have talked quite a bit this past week, and I can see why you adore him so. He's a very special man. Yes, he is. It suddenly hit me that Jason was nowhere in sight. I wondered why he wasn't at my side if he really loved me. Because y'all have kids, nigga. Where's Jason? He's been here the entire time, Zoe. Your mother's been watching the kids most of the time. But Jason also hired a live-in sitter so she can come spend time with you at the hospital as well. I met your mother. She's a sweetheart. I was so ashamed. Does my mother know about everything? Yes, she does. And she loves you more now than ever. Marcella continued to grasp my hand and use her other hand to rub my arm. Don't worry about a thing, Zoe. Everything's going to be fine. Jason wants to work out your marriage problems. So that worked. You stepping out in the traffic changed everything. He does? Are you serious? Could it be my prayers have been answered? Yes, 
He does. I convinced him to go home for a little while and spend some time with the kids, since you were comatose anyway. I told him I would stay overnight with you. The hospital allows me visiting rights around the clock since I'm a doctor. I see. Thank you so much for everything, Marcella. No need for thanks, Zoe. You become much more than a patient to me. I would like to think of us as friends. I managed a weak smile. I would like for us to become friends. I would like that very much. We're already friends, and friends we shall remain. Now get some sleep, and I'll be right here if you need anything. Jason will be back early in the morning. I'm sure seeing you with your eyes open will be a blessing to him. I drifted back off to sleep, and for the first time in a long, long time, I fell asleep not dreading what would happen when the sun came up. Marcella said Jason still loved me and wanted to save our marriage. Thank goodness my accident wasn't fatal. Thank goodness I had a second chance for the love of my life. I slept like a baby for the remainder of the night. Just like Marcella promised, Jason was there when I opened my eyes the next morning. I was so relieved to see him. I was on my side, and he was behind me on the bed, also asleep, with his arm draped over my waist. I wanted to let him sleep, but I was anxious to talk to him. Having his arm around me was extremely comforting. At least I knew he didn't find the thought of touching me repulsive. Jason. I tried to turn over to face him, but had a hard time maneuvering with the IV in my arm. My movements jolted him awake. He opened his eyes. I had made it as far as getting on my back so I could look at him. Hey, Jason, I whispered. Hey, boo. I took a survey of my hospital room and noticed a drastic yet pleasant change from the night before. There were helium blooms, cards, and flowers everywhere. And a huge red bloom with the words, I love you always, was tied to one of the safety handles of the bed. I started blushing. Jason, did you do all this since I went to sleep last night? He brushed his hand across my cheek. Yes. Marcella called me to tell me you came out of your coma, and I rushed over here. She told me to wait until this morning, but I couldn't, so while you were sleeping, I raided the all-night drugstore down the street. It was after hours for the gift shop here in the hospital. You're so sweet. Thanks. No, thank you for being alive and coming back to me. I was so afraid you were going to die when I saw that van hit you. I didn't get there in time to stop it. It was all my fault you were out there in the middle of traffic in the first place. Again, a pause for reflection. Jason, none of this is your fault. I'm the one who fucked up, just like you said. I can't believe you're even here with me after all the things I did. I deserve to lose everything, and I'll understand if you want to end the marriage. I don't want you to stay just because of the kids. He took my hand, spread my fingers open, and kissed them one at a time. Zoe, I want you to listen to me very carefully, okay? And don't interrupt, because I might lose my nerve and never get all the words out. I turned a little bit more towards him so I could rest my hand on his thigh. Okay, I'm listening. Before there were any kids, before there was any house or any business, there was me and you. As much as we hated each other the first time we met, and by the way, I'll still swear up and down you're exaggerating about kicking my ass. We both giggled. Anyway, as much as we despised each other at first, what eventually grew out of that was love. Real love. And it's the kind of love that never dies. I bit my bottom lip to make sure I wasn't dreaming. I knew if I felt the pain, then I wasn't imagining Jason's words. My lip did begin to ache, and I was grateful for the pain. I love you, Zoe. That's why it hurt so bad when Tyson came storming into my office telling me not only things about you that I never knew, but also things I could never imagine you doing. 
Tears started running down my cheeks, and I wanted to tell him I never meant to hurt him. I wanted to tell him so many things, but he had asked me not to say a word, so I just listened. Looking back on it now, all the signs were there. You did try to talk to me on countless occasions, and I always snapped at you. I could see that now. Dr. Spencer told me how you related everything to her about how we met, how we fell in love, and how things got complicated. She even told me you thought I looked sexy riding my dad's old lawnmower with no shirt on. I never knew that. He made me laugh again, and hearing the old version of Jason again was heartwarming to say the least. You see, the only side of this whole story I've ever been able to relate to was my own. I never knew your side of the story. I never knew the things that went on in your mind. Not until now. Somewhere along the way, we lost something, and I think that something is communication. I promise you that you'll never have to look for love and attention from anywhere else. Not ever again. You could talk to me about anything, and I won't snap at you. I won't say it's immoral or disgusting. I promise. He took his hand and started gently caressing my stomach. As far as the affairs you had... I was very upset and disappointed. I have to be honest and tell you it may take me a while to truly get over it, but I will. We can get past this because I realize you didn't do it to hurt me. You didn't do it because you didn't love me. And I know you never loved any of them. When you told me you were sick that night, I didn't believe you. Now, after talking to the doctor, I do think you did all those things for reasons beyond your control. Jason kissed me gently on my lips. We're going to get through this, and we're going to save our marriage, no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes. Dr. Spencer is going to help us, and she has a friend down in Florida who's willing to come up here and help us overcome our sexual issues. I love you, Zoe, and this forever. He got quiet, so I added, always has been, always will be. We lay there, holding each other in silence, and something Jason had mentioned began to worry me. Jason? Yes, baby. What did you mean when you said Dr. Spencer and her friend are going to help us deal with our sexual issues? Huh? He had a perplexed look on his face. You said our sexual issues, not just mine. He stared at me, and his eyes got watery. Yes, I did say that. What did you mean by that? My heart started thumping loudly in my chest. There are some things I need to tell you also, Zoe. There are reasons why it's always been difficult for me to make love to you completely. Just know it was never anything about you. It was never anything about your appearance like you apparently thought. You've always been and will always be the most beautiful and amazing woman in the entire world to me. I tried to prop myself up on a pillow using my elbows, but I was too weak. Are you saying you cheated on me too, Jason? No. I told you I never cheated on you and I haven't. I never even thought about it, I promise you that. Then what is it, Jason? I wanted him to explain what he meant because he was scaring the hell out of me. Zoe, let's just get some rest. I'm so tired. Running back and forth from the hospital and trying to keep up with everything else that drained me this past week. I'm just glad you didn't fool around and die on me. After we get some rest and the doctors get here, we'll get this all cleared up once and for all. He didn't say anything else and I didn't bother him. I let him fall asleep with his head on my chest. I wanted to know what he meant, but decided to wait until the doctors got there, as he requested. All that time, I thought I was the only one with the sexual issues. While I knew Jason was not willing to experiment in bed, I never thought he had any real problems except for lack of creativity. Obviously, I was wrong, and the road to recovery was going to have more twists and turns than I had ever imagined. We loved each other, though, 
and our love was strong. If it could survive all the shit I had dealt it, then it could survive anything about Jason and my surface. As I drifted off to sleep, I whispered aloud to no one in particular, I survived my cheating. I survived getting hit by a freaking van, and I will survive this too, so bring it on. Chapter 27 Dr. Leonard Graham was a very handsome older man. He was full of energy, even after his flight in from Florida and fighting his way through the crowds and the congestion at the airport. He looked to be about six feet even, with a bit of a tummy. Nothing 15 minutes on a Stairmaster for a couple of weeks couldn't cure. He was caramel, with droopy yet sincere dark brown eyes, and his perfectly capped teeth gave him a character. All in all, I liked him right off the bat. I got the feeling Jason did too. It would make it a lot easier for us to talk to him, since we thought he was cool. If some uppity, thinking he knew it all nigga had shown up instead, I would have had to tell Marcella all bets were off, friends of hers or not. A couple of days have passed since I first woke up from my coma. I spent them trying to recover from my injuries, which thankfully didn't amount to much more than a few bruised ribs and a big-ass lump on the head. There's a lot to be said for being knocked out for a whole week. Because I didn't know what was going on, I missed out on the worst of the pain and had been so drugged up by the IV when I woke up, I didn't have to deal with all of that. Whatever pain I missed, I'm quite sure it was nothing like labor. Jason had the nerve to suggest another baby. I told him his ass better be joking. If I went through labor one more time, both of us were coming out of the delivery room on a stretcher. Isn't it just great how everything worked out for her? Isn't it? Jason was there around the clock, except for going home to shower and change. Dr. Ferguson, my physician, wouldn't let the kids come visit. But Jason took instant photos of them every day so I could see their smiling faces. How foolish of me to try to kill myself and leave them behind. Jason's partners were handling the firm. And as for my business... The same executives who covered for my ass after Brina's death willingly stepped up to bat once again. I made a mental note to make sure to give them all a raise and extra vacation time with pay once everything was back to normal. They more than deserved it. Jason and I never talked about whatever was lurking in his past again. We decided the best thing would be to wait on the actual therapy sessions. I was just glad he loved me. and was beginning to understand the reasons why he didn't just haul off and hit my ass or leave me. He, he did hit your ass. Somehow, Jason was able to relate to my illness, and it would all come out in the wash. The chickens always come home to roost. Well, the time had finally arrived. Dr. Leonard Graham, our savior dressed in a leisure suit and sporting a toupee, had arrived to mend the situation. Marcella was there in my room, along with Jason and my mother. Dr. Graham could only stay one day, so it was agreed that no matter how many hours it took, Everything, and I do mean everything, was coming out. I knew I could handle it. After dealing with all my lovers, Marcella, Jason, and getting hit by a van all in one day, lying in one position on a bed all day was going to be a breeze. I was concerned about Jason, though. He seemed extremely uncomfortable, and I can't say I blamed him. Most of the conversation will be about my sexual escapades with other people and the reasons behind them. My mother, I didn't want her there at all, but she insisted, and even though I'm an adult, disrespecting her wishes was not an option. So there we were, packed into my hospital room. Dr. Ferguson came in and gave me a once-over to make sure I could physically handle whatever stress might arise, and one of the nurses brought in some extra chairs, a couple pots of coffee, and a pitcher of ice water. I felt like a prisoner in the infirmary of a penitentiary, about to give a deposition for a mafia murder case. All we needed was a court stenographer and someone wearing a black juris robe. 
The doctors had several memo pads with them and tape recorders. When I saw the stack of notepads, I wondered who in the hell was going to be saying enough shit to fill them all up. Dr. Graham took the lead. Now that we're all gathered together here today, shall we begin? I was expecting him to say, shall we pray? He reminded me of an evangelist I used to trip off of on a cable channel that claimed he could heal people. Once the one who was healed had thrown his crutches away or announced he could see again, the minister would quickly pass the collection plates. I had Jason sitting on the bed right next to me for moral support. It was more than likely we were going to need each other to lean on throughout the ordeal. He held my hand, kissed me on the cheek, and attempted to reassure me. Everything's going to be okay, boo. I promise. Zoe, Dr. Graham blurted out my name, and all of a sudden I felt all eyes on me. Marcellus filled me in on the majority of your case. I've also listened to the audio tapes and read her notes. She and I have had several phone conversations as well. She sent copies of everything to my office in Florida overnight express so I would be all caught up when I arrived. I glanced over at my mother, who looked like she might need a straight jacket before the end of the day. Her hands were trembling and she had terrible bags underneath her eyes, which probably could have been attributed to spending many sleepless nights worrying about me. She noticed my stares and managed a slight grin, which I returned. However, there are some things only you can clear up for me, Zoe. As Marcella's probably mentioned, I'm quite experienced in the area of sexual addiction, and if you let me, I can more than likely help you tremendously. I would appreciate that very much, Dr. Graham. Jason seconded the motion. We'll both appreciate it, Doctor. You're extremely lucky for a lot of different reasons, Zoe. Your suicide attempt failed, your mother loves you, your kids love you, and your husband loves you. I hope you'll think about them if thoughts of suicide should ever arise again. Also, and this is me, you didn't get any STDs. You didn't get any kids. You didn't get killed. And you're getting out of this pretty much scot-free from how I see it. I cut them off because I wanted them all to know. That won't happen. No matter what, I'm in this for the long run. No more trying to take the cowardly way out. Yeah, because it worked. You got what you wanted out of it. That's good, Zoe. That's real good. Marcella was sitting in the chair beside him, looking like a college student trying to keep up with the professor. She was taking notes. I guess she was attempting to gain some sort of worthwhile knowledge about an area she knew nothing about. Sexual addiction. That made two of us. Dr. Graham took a sip of his black coffee and cleared his throat. <clears throat> There's something that's been bothering me about this whole thing, Zoe. What's that? I asked, even though the whole damn situation was bothering me. You talked to Dr. Spencer about a lot of things dating back to childhood, such as sexual feelings and masturbation at a considerably young age. I looked down at the blanket covering my legs. I was totally embarrassed. I realized now that it wasn't normal. No, it wasn't. But what bothers me is why it happened. Do you have any thoughts on that matter? No, none. Maybe I was just born that way. Anything's possible, Zoe, but I don't really think that's the case. I think something occurred in your childhood that started the whole chain of cause and effect. I started laughing. He couldn't have been further off base. That's ridiculous. Something like what? Something traumatic, maybe? Possibly something else sexually related? Something... Oh... Yeah, the death of her dad, I guess. Like, can that cause it? Like, are we... Okay, before I start going in, I need to check to see if that can actually cause it.
So I'm going to let y'all know. I went looking to see if death could cause sexual addiction. Like if, if death or that sort of trauma could cause sexual addiction. And there wasn't anything that indicated that. And I looked, um, just so then y'all know, you know, just so you're not wondering, I looked at gentlepathmetals.com um, and also at uh, theclevelandclinic.org, uh, which uh, talked deeply about sex addictions. So I don't know. I don't know. I might be wrong. It happens all the time, and I'm all right with that. But they're going to say that the death of her father is what caused this trauma in the first place. Okay. All right. I printed the rest of his commentary. Uh, Dr. Graham, far be it for me to criticize you, but nothing like that ever happened to me. I had a very normal childhood, a childhood I remember extremely well. Are you sure about that, Zoe? I'm positive. The most traumatic thing that ever happened to me when I was young was the death of my father. I was in junior high and I remember it like it was yesterday. Jason grasped my hand tighter. He knew talking about my father's death was very painful for me. Hmm. I see. Well, maybe something occurred that you don't even remember, Zoe. That does happen, you know. Not to me, Doc. Nothing happened and I will most definitely remember if it did. I was getting mad offended. He was insinuating I was too dumb to recall my own childhood. Plus, I didn't like what he was implying. I wonder if he was trying to say I was abused by my parents or something of that nature and hoped he wasn't. I would have hated to have to get off the hospital bed and give him a beatdown. Then Marcella jumped into it. Zoe, are you really sure? I'm very sure. What the hell is this? What are you two trying to insinuate? Marcella replied, Zoe... To be honest, I was thinking the same thing before Leonard even brought it up. Why do you think you were so obsessed with sex at such a young age? Hell if I know. Jason sensed I was about to go off the deep end. Zoe, calm down, boo. It's all good and everything's going to be fine. I clenched my teeth and listened to my husband. Dr. Graham took the conversation back over. Zoe, have you ever considered being hypnotized? That's when I broke out in hysterical laughter. I stopped when I realized no one else found it funny. No, I never thought about it and would never do something so silly. There's no point to it because nothing happened. My mother started squirming in her seat and then raised her hand as if she needed permission to speak. Mama, you don't have to raise your hand. What is it? Everyone's attention turned towards her. Are you doctors saying that everything my baby has done might be attributed to something horrible from her childhood? I didn't even let them answer. Mama, that's what they're saying, but it's all bull. You and I both know nothing ever happened to me as a child that could even halfway be considered sexually traumatic. Marcella got up, went over to my mother, and sat on the wooden armrest of her chair. Well, is Zoe right? Was her childhood free of such incidents? My mother stared at me and whispered, Not exactly. Then her tears began to flow. So that's why her mom is there. You know, so she can explain this. Chapter 28. Never in my life had I cursed my mother, but that was the first time for everything. What in the fuck are you talking about, mama? She just kept crying, and Marcel was rubbing her back, so I turned towards Jason. What the fuck is she talking about, Jason? He looked as dumbfounded as I did. I have no idea, boo. I wanted somebody, anybody, to make sense out of what I had just heard. Confusion turned to terror as all kinds of shit started running through my mind. Was I molested by my father as a baby? Another relative? What the fuck is going on here, I asked. Dr. Graham swung into action, realizing he was about to lose control of the situation before anything could be resolved. He came over to the opposite side of the bed from where Jason was lying and patted me on my shoulder. 
Calm down, Zoe. Just calm down. Take a few breaths and relax. It's all going to be all right. I took my free hand and knocked his hand off my shoulder. No, it's not going to be all right because I don't know what the hell's going on. This shit isn't making any sense. How in the hell can something have happened to me and I don't even fucking remember it? Zoe, maybe if you let me hypnotize you, we can all find out the answers. I turned back to Jason, who looked even more lost than I was. Jason, I'm scared. He released my hand, put his arm around me, and held me tight. Marcel was bent over my mother's chair, whispering in her ear, and I didn't appreciate all the hush-hush going on over there at all. Enough of the secrets and lies. Mama? Silence befell the room, and I could hear Marcella whisper the words, Tell her. Yes, Mama, tell me. Half me wanted to know, while the other half wanted to crawl up into a hole somewhere with a pair of earplugs so I wouldn't find out a damn thing. Whatever it was had my mother crying, and it was obvious I wasn't going to like it. She got up from her chair and came over to the bed. I reached out for her hand. She sat down the edge of the bed so her hips were touching mine. Zoe, something did happen when you were younger. I don't know all the details because you never really told me. Not me or your daddy. All I know is that it happened. She rubbed my hand rapidly, like a mother trying to warm her toddler up outside in the dead cold of winter. All what details, Mama? I'm so lost. So completely lost. I know you are, darling. Something happened, and somehow you managed to bury it deep inside you. It was the reason we really moved to Atlanta from Dallas in the first place. Oh, so we don't find out about none of this until just now, but, you know, convenience. Okay, let's go. Mama, you aren't making any sense. I kept looking from her to Jason and back, wishing someone would throw me a life jacket because I was sinking fast. You remember how we moved in the middle of the year and you were a transfer student and all that? Yes, of course I remember. Daddy got a job in Atlanta and we had to move right away. Actually, your father accepted the job because we needed to move right away. We needed to get out of Dallas. She broke out into wails, but I couldn't cry. I was petrified. What happened to me in Dallas, Mama? I sat up further on the bed, let go of her hand and started shaking her. Not because I was angry with her, but because I wanted her to tell me the freaking truth. Mama, look at me. What happened to me in Dallas? Jason and the two doctors weren't saying a word. Then again, I guess there wasn't anything for them to say. They were just as confused as I was. Zoe, baby, I don't know exactly what happened, but... Yes? I let go of her shoulders and clasped her hand. I started rubbing her hand like she was a toddler. Go on, Mama. One day, about a month into your fifth grade year, you came running into the house crying and your clothes were torn. My eyes bulged out of my head and Jason put his arms around my waist to try and brace me for whatever was about to come. You were late coming home from school, and I was worried. I called your father at work, but he told me to calm down. He figured since you walked home from school every day, you probably just stopped over at a friend's house for a little while, lost track of time, and forgot to call. I didn't remember any of the things she was talking about, and that made me ten times more scared than I was before. What happened to me on the way home from school, Mama? She grabbed both my cheeks in her frail hands and pulled my face all the way up to hers until our noses were touching. Her tears were rolling down both our cheeks, not just her own. I don't know, baby. You would never tell me. You would never tell your daddy or anyone else. All I know is I felt so bad that I didn't call the police to try to look for you, even if you were only an hour late. I should have realized you wouldn't go someplace and not call. I should have realized something was wrong and I've lived with this guilt ever since. I threw my arms around her, 
almost yanking the IV needle clear out of my arm to do it. It's not your fault, Mama. It's not your fault. Jason gathered both of us in his arms. It's going to be okay. My tears started flowing, and I wasn't sure they would ever stop. Never had I been so utterly confused. I thought the whole situation with Quentin, Tyson, and Diamond was fucked up. Now I come to find out something happened to me when I was just a child that was the underlying cause of it all. I had to have told you something. What did I say? She started shaking her head, and Marcella came over with a tissue for her to blow her nose out. Once she completed the task and wiped some of the tears from her face, she replied to my question. Zoe, the only thing you ever said to us was, why did they hurt me? Why did who hurt me? I don't know, she was screaming, and Dr. Ferguson bum-rushed into the room to make sure everything was under control. Dr. Graham politely showed him to the door and assured him things were fine. He reluctantly departed. You came home crying with your clothes ripped, and I called your father back immediately, telling him to get off work and come home. You kept saying, why did they hurt me over and over again, but you wouldn't say anything else. It was like you were in a trance or something. My immediate thought was that you had been raped, but you wouldn't even let me touch you down there. Every time I tried, you pushed my hands away violently, so we took you to the emergency room. They had to strap you down to examine you. You put up one hell of a fight, kicking and screaming and... And? Was I raped? I clamped my eyes shut and waited for her to reply, hoping the answer would be one I could live with. Jason was crying too by that point, but they were silent tears. No noise was coming out with them. According to the doctors, you were not raped. They did say you were bruised down there on red. No penetration, though. They were very definite about that point. Dr. Graham jumped in and asked, So Zoe was a victim of some type of sexual trauma other than rape? Yes, doctor, she was. For the next few minutes, my mother and I were tightly entwined in a bear hug, consumed in wails. All those years, she had blamed herself for something beyond her control. Doctor, I wish I could be of more help, but after a couple weeks, Zoe started acting real strange. She acted like nothing even happened, and when my husband and I broached the subject, she gave us the impression she didn't remember. He and I decided the best thing was just to move away and leave it all behind, especially since we never discovered who harmed her. In our eyes, that meant they could do it again. We didn't trust anyone after that. Everyone was suspect. Yeah, but then you moved to another town and let Jason just, you know, into your family and rando. Okay. Jason, who loves my mother almost as much as he loves me and wanted to comfort her, told her, it's not your fault. Zoe's going to get through this. We're all going to get through this together. My mother glanced up at Jason. She almost lost you because of this. She almost lost everything. My baby even tried to kill herself. And all these years, I thought she was faking about not remembering. I thought she pretended not to know just so she wouldn't have to talk about it. When she fell in love with you, I was so happy because I was scared she would never lead a normal life and find someone who truly loved her. I do love Zoe. You know that more than anyone. Yes, I do know that. And I'm so very grateful that she has you, Jason. I was totally unnerved. For the life of me, I don't remember any of this. Marcella walked closer to the bed, looking wearier than I had ever seen her. I guess we were all emotionally drained. There is a way you can bring it all back, Zoe. There is a way to find out what really happened that day. Let Leonard hypnotize you. We'll all be here for you. And when you wake up, this entire nightmare will be over. Will it be over or will it be worse? I pondered out loud. Let him do it, Zoe, my mother made her request. 
I wish I could fill in all the missing pieces, but I can't. You have to do it. Finally, I looked at Jason to get his opinion. He kissed me on the forehead and then whispered in my ear, I love you, and this is forever. Dr. Graham was standing at the end of the bed, waiting for my decision. Well, Doc, I guess if I ever want this to end, I have no choice, so bring it on. It all happened so quickly. I remember his pocket watch swinging back and forth in his hand like a pendulum, and I remember him softly speaking some words to me. He didn't say the comical shit I was expecting, like, you're getting very, very sleepy. Whatever he did say worked like a charm, because the next thing I knew, I was ass out. I, I really don't have any words. I don't. I guess we'll just have to see what happens in the next episode, but I, I, I have nothing. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this feat. This is Single Simulcast. <laughs>